listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cork, and today we have Daniel Matteo back in the studio with us. Welcome, Daniel. Hello. We've also got Carmelina Bacchino sitting in the studio with us as well. Welcome, Carmi. Thank you. Um, how are you going, Jason? <laughs> I'm going well. How are you going? Yeah, all right, thanks. <laughs> it's good to have you back here as well, Carmelina. Now, today, Daniel, we're going to be continuing your newer series. This is, I think, our fifth episode of the new series, Facets of Faith. But um, I believe you're going to be away for a couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be up to. Well, uh, next week I'm going to be running a camp for 10 to 16-year-olds for, yeah, six days. So that's what we'll be doing. It's going to be pretty intense. I'm um, just busy trying to pull it all together at the moment. We call it Twin Camp down here. So this is something that our church does every year in the first week of October. And that's open to all sorts of kids to go to? Yeah, yeah, anybody's welcome. Yeah, you can just look it up on our um, um, Adventist Church website. um, website. website and cool. yeah, so uh, well, we'll, our applications have closed now, but uh, yeah, we'll be open for next year. Yeah, we do all sorts of activities, fun activities through the day. This this year, we've got some fun stuff planned, like abseiling and rock climbing. And uh, then in the evening, you know, we have worship together, and yeah, lots of good food and fun and spending time together. Have you ever been to one of these camps, uh, Carmelina? Oh, you know, in the ancient days when I was a tween camper. <laughs> yes, I was someone who went to tween camp. I loved them. They were so much fun. Do you know, I remember in the days that I used to go to those camps um, quite some time ago, and they were something that I always used to look forward to. So it's a, it's a great um, opportunity for kids to get together, get to know each other, and uh, have some fun in the meantime. And also to get to know God better. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm a bit stressed out at the moment, scraping it all together, but I, I know God's going to get us through. He always does. Yeah. Mm. Um, last time we talked about the healed, and that was to do with the nature of man. What have you got for us today, Daniel? Well, today it's going to follow on from that, because last time we talked about the fact that uh, humanity's in a bit of a broken condition. And uh, we're not the way that God originally intended that we be. And I suppose today we're going to talk about, well, hmm, whose fault is that? You know, where did evil come from? What's the what's the reason why evil exists or, as opposed to not existing? You know, if God's good, why is there evil, basically? Now, if you want to go back and have a listen to the past episodes, you can do that on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au or you can download the Faith FM Australia app. You can get that from your app store in the Android Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. So um, I guess we need to get into this. You've got a bit to cover today. We do indeed, yes. Shall, shall we pray? Let's start? do that, yeah. Heavenly Father, we ask that you are with us today as we open your word. Uh, give us understanding, give us insight, and uh, give us your wisdom as we do this today. And we ask that our listeners are also blessed by the words that are both read and spoken today. In your name, amen. 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 Well, <laughs> look, funny little story. When I was six years old, uh, we lived in uh, South Queensland, uh, it's a place called Marsden, and my next-door neighbour was my best friend, and her name was Geraldine, and she was a year younger than me, so I was six and she was five, but she had an older brother whose name was David, and I remember one day um, we had a little disagreement, as kids do, I can't remember what it was over, or maybe it was over, you know, who was playing with what toy when or whatever, and her older brother David punched me in the stomach. 
and I doubled over mm. and um, yeah I couldn't breathe you know <laughs> you know got winded and all of that and you know it's funny I cried and anyway we, we got sorted out it was just a little kid thing and uh, yeah we were friends again after that not long after that but you know ever since ever well always after that I was really frightened and scared of any kind of physical confrontation like really really petrified of it and uh, as a result when I was a teenager when I was in high school I started to get bullied quite badly and I didn't like that so I started to take martial arts classes you know work really hard and you know trained and and even got a got a black belt in taekwondo but still every time somebody tried to start something at me that same old fear of uh, getting punched came back and uh, and I just couldn't do anything I used to freeze up and uh, always had this fear of fighting and uh, now, now don't get me wrong I don't think it's a good idea to to get into fights and confrontations but sometimes you need to be able to defend yourself you know mm. and uh, anyway so when I was 18 I joined the army one of the first things uh, they did when I... They, they don't allow this anymore, but one of the first things that they did when I um, got to the battalion uh, in Townsville is they uh, they tried to get us to participate in the battalion boxing competition. So I went in that against... And they put me against a guy that was much bigger than me. Uh, much bigger. Wider. So this, this sounds painful. Wider and taller. <laughs> and uh, you know what? He, he wiped the floor with me for three rounds. You know, he mushed up my nose. My nose was broken. It's never been the same since. I got a deviated septum as a result of this particular confrontation uh, you know i had two black eyes you know i was sort of groggy in the head for three or four days afterwards but you know what afterwards i i thought you know what that wasn't so bad <laughs> you know like i'm i'm still here you know what i mean so are you saying you sort of toughened up a bit? yeah i toughened up a bit i thought you know what it, that's not so bad and ever since then you know whenever somebody's trying to be you know physically threatening with someone else that i care about or with me that it, i'm not frightened of being in that situation anymore interesting yeah and so there's something about conflict that you can actually become you can become accustomed to it i don't think i don't think that it is the natural state that god intended for us absolutely not violence conflict you know anything anything like that is a i think an evil state and not and not what god god's original plan for humanity is but we can get comfortable in it and sometimes i believe down here in this world there's so much evil that we really get accustomed to it. Mm. We see so much war and violence on the news that, you know, we just change the channel. Yeah. We, there's so much around us all the time that we just feel like this is normality. But every now and again, tragedy touches us and we are reminded that this that we're actually in a battle between good and evil down here. That evil is a real thing. Yeah, mm. what were you going to say, sorry? I was going to say we become numb to it because, you know, you see things so often that uh, you just start to stop really thinking about or or trying to feel you know the emotion that goes along when you see so much death and suffering around well when you're exposed to so much of it you just can't Mm. you can't feel every single yeah yeah it's a coping mechanism i guess as well absolutely but every now and then like i said we are touched by evil and so as a result we um we become aware and and the i guess the heart cries out at god in that moment and it doesn't matter who you are and what you believe the, the question of evil, the fact that there is evil and injustice in the world, has very real implications for the idea of God. Mm. Yeah. So I guess where did evil become or come from? We, last week we studied how um, sin entered the world through Genesis chapter 3. I think mm-hmm. we did that. Yeah, that's right. So um, how, did, uh, how did 
the serpent, <laughs> the devil who was in the serpent, how did he become evil? Yeah, that's right. We're gonna we're gonna back up a little bit from that conflict, you know, from that conflict that happened over the in the Garden of Eden. How did we get in that situation? And there's a couple of theories about that. For example, in you know, pretty popular Christian, there's some pretty popular popular Christian theology around that says that, well, God actually intended uh, for there to be evil. That was part of His sovereign plan. And uh, and in actual fact, even you know, even though he didn't command uh, Satan to be evil, he created him with something, I guess, messed up within. Uh, as a result, uh, you know, authored evil, let's say, in order to um, in order to show his sovereign goodness. By contrast, right? So, in actual fact, you you find in that way of understanding the Bible and understanding Christianity, you would you would see God as being at fault for all of the evil and suffering in this world. Mm. Like he created the devil. It's mm. his fault. Mm. And that comes through in a lot, of, um, a lot of Christian theology, unfortunately. I don't agree with that. But there was, a, there was an ancient religion that tried to solve this problem. It was called Manichaeism. And, uh, and it actually tried to solve the problem by saying, well, actually, Satan and God are two equal opposites. Mm. You know, Satan is just as powerful as God, but he's just an evil version of God. There's one or the other. There's this dualism in the world. I've had some discussions with uh, somebody who practices Hinduism, and they sort of have that sort of concept of, you know, the good God and the the evil God. <laughs> mm. yeah. Well, um, if you've ever seen uh, a single symbol of Taoism, the yin-yang symbol, you know, mm. that, uh, that there's a little bit of yeah. evil in, in good and there's a little bit of good and evil and they're both equal and opposite. That, that idea of dualism is very popular throughout lots of different religious systems. Mm. And that, there's a, you know, I mean, you can make arguments for that. If God is really all-powerful, why wouldn't he just totally defeat evil? Mm. You know, so there's a question. And then, of course, there's there's this idea of atheism, you know, which which posits that evil is just part of life. As Richard Dawkins said, the universe has at its bottom no good, no evil, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. So all of the suffering that we see around us in this world is just the way that things are mm. and always will be. Having said that, they still do manage to use all of that as an argument against God, even though in their system that's that's just normality, that's mm. just life, and and you just got to. Eat it and accept it. Yeah. Mm. So, so in other words, that there is no evil in atheism because it's just, you know, it's just part of the process. Well, in philosophical atheism, there should there shouldn't be any evil. There's no there's mm. no there's there's no standard by which you can measure good and evil. And so, the fact that um, one would say that evil is you know extant is strange. It, mm. it isn't cohesive. Is it? Yeah. So, like, why do we then long for a world without evil? Isn't that inter- isn't that an interesting question? Mm. Yeah. Well, I think C.S. Lewis said it best. He said that if we find something within us that is longing for a better world, there's it probably there's probably a state of that better world that's out there, you know, wanting to be found. Maybe there is an ultimate reality that we're all longing for. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, I think in general, yeah, I think we all certainly long for that. And I guess then that that brings up the question: Well. Why doesn't God stop evil? Mm. Well, we are, we are going to get into that a little mm. more today. But uh, just care- quickly as we get into it, we have to be aware, before we start questioning God on the existence of evil, we have to realize that in a very real way, a world without evil would actually be a world without you and I. Mm. Mm. Because every single one of us, not only have we committed evil uh, to whatever greater or lesser extent, but on top of that, we actually exist because of evil. Like, I'll give you an example. Maybe your great-great-great-grandfather... You know, got 
maybe maybe his wife got ill and she died and as a result that guy remarried and they had kids and as a result there's you now mm. because of evil and suffering you exist mm. and so if there was no such thing as evil if there was no such thing as suffering someone would be here in your place but it wouldn't be you yeah so we have to be careful what we wish for sometimes as well we need to go to a break but uh right now we're going to ask a question what would you fix about the world if you had god's power if you were God, what would you fix about the world? Text us in on 0488 This is All Creatures of Our God and King by Eclipse 6.
fantastic song, and uh, I believe, Daniel, that's one of your favourites. It is. Awesome. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're talking this morning with Daniel Mateo on the topic of the fight, which is really looking at the concept of evil versus good, or good versus evil. Before the break, we gave you guys a listener question. What would you fix about the world if you had God's power? Text us in your answer on 0488-880-891. We'd love to hear from you this morning. And uh, before the break, we also asked this question, why doesn't God stop evil? Daniel, Mm. what would you say to that? Well, in answer to that question, I'd simply say, if we believe Scripture, we do know that one day he will. And that is really the fundamental teaching of Scripture. That's what we call the great hope, you know, the Advent hope. That one day God will, in fact, stop evil. But in the meantime, we have to deal with this uh, this seeming contradiction in terms of good God, but but living in a struggling world. And I think what we need to do is is go back to the beginning. When last week, when we talked about Genesis three, we had a uh, we we talked about this tree that God had placed uh, within the garden. Now, why is it that he put that there? So many people have asked me that question over the years and said, well, why didn't God just refuse to... Why, why did he put that tree in there in the first place? Why did he give them the option? And that really is the is the key. He gave them the option. Mm. When I think about those, there was actually two trees in the garden. Oh, well, there's a bunch of different trees, but they're two key trees. One of them represented... Uh, following God, the tree of life, and one of them represented turning away from God, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it reminds me of a voting poll. You know, sometimes when well, we've got an ele- a local election coming up around here soon, when you go in to vote, you know, and they, they you have the, your candidates there and you've got to tick the one you like and or you put a number on it or whatever, mm. however you do it. And it really seems to me that there was a there was an opposing system of government, perhaps that God had um, God God was recognizing that there is an opposition party here, and these creatures that He loves, He's not going to force them to have to follow Him and to be His subjects. He's going to give them the option, and if they want to continue in eternal life and bliss and joy and no pain, then all they need to do is just stay away from this one tree, and they can eat anything else. But if they want to make a decision to uh, to follow in in a path of destruction and to and to follow the opposition party, then they eat from this tree. And and unfortunately, our first parents, you know, voted the wrong way, you know. So uh, so that really, I think that takes us all the way back. But why is it that there's an opposition? I want us to look in uh, Revelation chapter 12, please. Uh, why would there be an opposition party uh, in uh, in the great government of God um, if he's fundamentally good? Can you, can you read for me, please, Genesis, uh, Revelation 3, oh, sorry, 12 verses 1 and 2. It says, and I'm reading from the New International Version, it says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now, when we were in Revelation, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 3, we read about a woman, and we read about a serpent, mm. and we also read about a promised seed, a promised descendant of the woman that was going to come. That was in Genesis 3.15 uh, last week. And so this one, this time we've got this woman mentioned. And, you know, in, in throughout the Old Testament um, scripture, uh, a woman in always, always represents God's people. We know that this is the case in this situation. For example, we could we could look at Jeremiah chapter um 6 and verse 2 where it says I've likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman and there's lots of other places book of Hosea is a classic uh, that compares um, God's people to to a woman 
and uh, this symbol is being used here. But also we can have a look at the stars and we can have a look at the moon and the sun and that reminds us there in that picture back to the vision of, or I should say the dream of Joseph all the way back in the book of Genesis when um, God's people there, you know, it was um, his father and, and his brothers were represented by this sun and his mother were represented by this sun, moon and stars. So we're talking about God's people here. Um, in particularly in the Old Testament period. And then can you read for me, please, uh, Kami, verses 3 and 4? Is that okay? <clears throat> Absolutely. Also from the New International Version. Um, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Mm. Okay, so remember we had in uh, in Genesis 3, we had a woman and we had her, her promised seed or a promised descendant and we had a serpent. So now we've got a dragon and a woman and she's pregnant. Okay, so th it's this uh, it's a reference to this situation and we're going to find out a little bit later on that the dragon is, is also called a serpent as well. So this red dragon, by the way, I don't believe that... Um, uh, that there's any real red dragon. I just want to make that clear that this is symbolic imagery here. And the Re book of Revelation isn't literally true. It's symbolically true. And so there's some, there's some things here that it has to say. But uh, have a look here in verse 4. It said, Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. First of all, who is this dragon? Can we just um, maybe... Maybe scroll down a little bit and just see, because I think that uh, that the Bible there in verse eight. Can we just uh, come back up a little? Yeah. There we go. In uh, sorry, verse nine, it tells us uh, who this dragon is exactly. Um, could someone read that for me, please, just says, very quickly? The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. Awesome, beautiful. Okay, so we'll go back up to where we were in verse three and four. Right, so uh, so we've got this dragon who's identified as being Satan, and his tail sweep, sweeps a third of the stars out of the sky. Okay, what does that mean? Well, we can we can get a little bit of a hint if we go to the end of Revelation chapter one, and uh, it's very very interesting indeed. And uh, and it, what it tells us at the end of Revelation chapter one uh, is that uh, is that there that stars represent angels. So uh, it's around about verse. Uh, 20, when it says, The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. There's some sort of battle here between angels that we can see going on now. And Satan seems to take a third of the angels uh, out of heaven and, and cast them down to the earth. What's going on there? Well, we can get a little bit of insight uh, into a battle uh, going on between good and evil behind the veil. It's almost as if one day, sometime, at some point in the distant history of, uh, of the universe, that there was an uprising uh, by some rebel angels, including uh, Satan, uh, against God. So did God create a, uh, a problematic angel? Did God create rebellion within these guys mm. so that they would rise up against him and, and form evil? But it, gives, it gives us a little bit of a hint in Ezekiel chapter 28. And uh, when we go there, uh, we find that um, uh, in verse, uh, starting in verse uh, 13, it says of this rebel angel Lucifer, 
says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. And it goes on to say in verse 14, You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were in the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Verse 15 says, You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found within you. So what we see here is that God did not create a devil. He created a perfect angel. And just like he gave Adam and Eve the right to vote, he must have placed within this angel, this perfect angel, this beautiful angel, free will, the right to accept him or the right to reject him. Why on earth would God do that? Why wouldn't God make us all automatons so that we can just respond to him in love all the time and that, you know we never have to be mean to each other or anything? Couldn't he just... Couldn't he just create a universe where there was no real, you know, no real free will? Or at least wind us up so that we felt like we had free will, but we were always going to be good to each other. Why wouldn't he do that? What yeah. do you guys think? You know, this might sound like it's off the track a little bit, but for me, I'm, I'm thinking of pets. I'm thinking of cats and dogs. And uh, it's interesting that dogs are always, you know, keen to come and say hello and they're happy to see you and all of that sort of thing. And it's a, it's a genuine free choice that they make to come to you and to express their emotion and their happiness to see you and what have you. Um, now, cats are interesting as well because cats uh, will occasionally do that. They'll come and sit on your knee and they'll purr and, you know, when, when they want to do that. But uh, often if you pick up a cat, well, certainly my cats, they don't want to. They don't want to be there. They, they, they growl, or particularly female cats. I find they growl and they grumble. Um, my cats like that, and it, it's like, okay, well, I haven't given her the choice to come to me. When I pick her up, she gets grumpy. She mm. doesn't like that choice because it's not her choice. It's not free will, and it's not a genuine demonstration, I guess, of of her loving willingness to to come and spend time with me. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think that um, I think you just said a key word there, which is love, mm. and, we, and we have to really think about what it is, what that is. It's not a feeling; it is an action. It is a decision, and uh, but it's the highest principle in the universe. Mm. It's time for another break. Um, before we do, our question of today is: What would you fix about the world if you had God's power? Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero. 891. We've got a free offer coming up later in the program. It's a DVD today and it's called Cosmic Conflict. So uh, stay tuned and we'll get to the number later in the program. This is A Time for Everything by Noema Moore.
is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tazio Encounters on Faith FM with Daniel Mateo on our series Facets of Faith. And Daniel has been talking about the topic of the fight, the controversy of good and evil. Now, Daniel, earlier you made a statement that I just wanted to clarify. You said uh, the book of Revelation is not literally true, it's symbolically true. Can you just clarify exactly what that means? Because it is talking about true things, but what do you mean by literally true, not symbolic? Sorry. Symbolically, symbolically true, not, not literally, literally true. true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, something that is literally true might be the story of, of Jesus in the book of Mark. Yes. When uh, Jesus... Uh, goes around healing people in Galilee, for example. That is something that literally happened. What we're reading today is about a big red dragon, uh, you know, trying to trying to eat the baby of a pregnant woman. Uh, that is not literally going on. There's not literally a big red dragon out there. By the way, this is a source of a fair bit of um, misunderstanding. Misunderstanding that how to understand Revelation is a source of a bit of confusion uh, in the history of the church. For example, if you look at a lot of medieval art, 
you see Satan depicted with as red, with horns and a tail. You ever heard of that before? And in fact, that's become the popular mm. view of, of Satan. Whenever you see Satan depicted, he's red with horns and a tail. And that's because they've understood this chapter in Revelation 12 red dragon. Yeah. as being literal. Mm. I mean, in actual fact, when we read in Ezekiel 28, it describes uh, him as being an angel. He was a mm. guardian cherub. He's a beautiful angel is what he is, actually. Mm. Um, and he was created a beautiful angel. And there's no reason why he's not still an attractive angel. It's just that uh, this is symbolic of his character. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also, it, well, it, it's talking about eternal things. So uh, I would say that to understand Revelation properly, and according to how, um, how you know, it tells us to interpret Revelation in the first chapter, is to understand it as a sign or a symbol mm-hmm. of something that's, that's real. And the way that we understand or unlock those symbols is by looking elsewhere in the Scripture. Yeah. Awesome. Hmm. Um, we're up to verse 5 in Revelation 12. We need to keep going. Uh, we do indeed. Before the break, you, uh, you, know, you talked about you know, animals and giving them the opportunity to come to you in love, Free, right? Freely. Yeah, freely. That's right. And, mm. and free will is, is so important for love. Like, I can't make somebody love me. Mm. And uh, if I try to do that, you know, we've got a name for that, and that's rape. You mm. know? Okay? So uh, we, we can't force other people to love us. Love is a decision. It has to be freely given. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. Now, we find out about God that he who, in First uh, John, that he, who, he who, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That is actually what he is. And the purpose of his creation is, in fact, to have a love relationship with his creatures. As a result... He needs to entrust them with genuine free will, not just illusory free will. Um, If you're an atheist, you believe that um, any free will we have is illusory, that we're all um, predetermined, you know, we're we're all nature plus nurture, you know, we're biochemical machines, basically. We have the appearance, this is... um, you know, this is the, the idea of uh, philosophical atheism, that we have the illusion of free will. But that you can't really love in that case, you know, if you're wound up a certain way. And in this case, we, we, free will is a real thing, that you can choose to love God or not. And Lucifer seems to have exercised this power against God and, uh, and started a rebellion. Let's read our next verse now. It says in verse 5 and 6, She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. And we do find out that God's people in the Old Testament uh, did in fact produce a son, you know, mm. the promised seed that uh, we read about in Genesis 3.15, and that was Jesus. And he was indeed snatched up to God and to his throne. We, right now the Bible uh, says that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and uh, there's very, very soon he's going to come back. But God's people now are, um, seem to be under attack uh, by our great enemy, and that's the situation that we find. So can you read the next couple of verses, just, please? Just before we do, mm-hmm. I just want to cross-reference here. We've been studying the book of Daniel with Peter Watts on uh, Tuesday's programs, and uh, we do talk about this 1260 days, which is also uh, referenced in Daniel. So in, indeed, and have a listen is, to those episodes as well. It's really important because that period of time um, turns up a number of times in Bible prophecy, and it is a counterfeit of Jesus' ministry, mm. uh, three and a half year ministry. Yeah. Mm. Mm. All right, so verse 7, 8, and 9. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. 
He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Mm, beautiful. So, you know, when Jesus was getting ready to be arrested, um, he spoke to his disciples and he said, Now is the time. Ju- now is the time for. for well, sorry, now is the time that judgment has come. Now is the time for the prince of this world to be cast out. Mm. Throughout the Old, Tes- Old Testament period, you find there's different moments when uh, Satan and his angels turn up in heaven. And, uh, for example, in the book of Job, uh, Satan comes before God and tries to make a pleading, uh, you know, for for God to, to try and hurt God, Job in some way, and they have an argument over Job. Uh, there's different places throughout the story of, uh, of David where, where different evil spirits turn up in heaven and, and there seems to be, God seems to um, have some sort of disputation with them. But you don't find that happening anymore in the New Testament period. After the time when Jesus was crucified, um, you don't find that happening anymore. It seems like that this great rebellion that was ha- taking place between good and evil, that uh, Satan rising up against God and trying to, uh, to overthrow him and even um, drawing humanity away uh, after himself, it seems to be uh, that there was some level at which he was able to present his alternate, series of, um, uh, ultimate system of government, even in heaven, prior to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, that proved once and for all that God is love. Any questions about God's character, any questions about, uh, about who he is, was finished at that moment. And we find that this, uh, what shall I say, uh, evil spirit, devil, Satan, dragon, as he's called here, is hurled to the earth and his angels are cast out with him. Uh, by the way, uh, that means that they're held here in gloomy chains, awaiting judgment, as, uh, as one New Testament author puts it. So mm. it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that Jesus' victory at the cross has brought us an ultimate victory over Satan. Mm. Mm. Uh, shall we go on? Yes, yes, please. There. Well, what happens now, what we're going to read now from verse 10 to 12 is actually a victory song from the good angels. So there's a picture of good and evil angels fighting, the evil ones are cast out, and then the good angels are going to sing a song. And so we're going to hear the, hear the song now. It says in verse 10 to 12, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. Beautiful. Look at this. Look at this wonderful celebration song that these angels sing. Look at this. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God in the authority of his Christ have come. Isn't that wonderful news? That's what Jesus preached when he came, you know. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. This, they're just preaching the same message Jesus did. Why, the accuser of our brothers. That's, look at this. They call us brothers and sisters. Mm. The angels call us brothers and sisters. And mm. they say, the, the one that was accusing them now has been defeated. Why, he's been hurled down. And they, that's talking about us, triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. That's Jesus' death on the cross for us. And by the word of their testimony. That is the fact that Jesus loves us and died for us and the fact that we love him and have an experience with him and put our faith in him. It says that we have got that victory over Satan because of what Jesus did for us. 
Yeah, and the the best news is in verse twelve. You can rejoice, heavens, uh, uh, because the the enemy hasn't got access to you anymore. But woe to the earth and the sea. Why? It almost seems as if there is a an increase in Satan's activity down here because he knows his time is short. short. He's filled with fury, and that is wonderful news because it means that it's just a matter of time till God brings all evil to an end. Mm. Well, it's time to tell you about our offer, our free offer today. It's a DVD. I'm going to ask Carmelina to tell us about that. Yes, so it is Cosmic Conflict, The Origin of Evil by Doug Batchelor. Take a spectacular journey back through time and trace the transformation of a perfect angel into Satan, the archdemon, and how he led an army of angels in a revolt in heaven. Witness the creation of a beautiful new world. Feel the suspense of the devil as the devil brings his rebellion to planet Earth. Behold the temptation and fall in Eden and uncover God's amazing plan to restore people to paradise. A powerful, eye-opening documentary that focuses on the great controversy that began when Lucifer rebelled in heaven. After the break, we'll give you the code for our free offer today. This is We Are Waiting by All Sons and Daughters.
listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're finishing up our program with Daniel Matteo. We've been talking about the fight, this great controversy between good and evil. Before the break, we talked about our free offer today. It's called the Cosmic Conflict DVD and we've got five copies to give away. So the first people who text in to our show number 0488 this code, remember no spaces in the code, FACET number 5, that's F-A-C-E-T and the number 5, text it into 0488-880-891, F-A-C-E-T number 5. Now, in, during the break, we had a question. Would you like to share that with us, Carmelina? Absolutely. We got a question from Christina, and this is what she said. I have a question about the fight between the angel Michael and Satan. I've heard it said the, I've heard it said the angel Michael was Jesus. This doesn't make sense to me. Can you please give some clarify or clarification? I guess. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, that's a great question, and in actual fact, um, it. I think that uh, on this particular question, you know, we can still be brothers and sisters and, and, and disagree. You know, like it's it, it's not a it's not what we call a war winner as far as faith's concerned. Mm. But there's there's basically two two ideas as to the identity of Michael. You know, um, things are hardly ever spelled out when it comes to the spiritual realm in Scripture. Things are hardly ever spelled out as clearly as what we'd like. We have to sort of read between the lines and and infer a little bit. Uh, the first and most popular position in Christianity is that Michael is a senior angel. Um, in fact, in the liturgical churches, they call him Saint Michael. Yeah, and uh, and so this would be Is a referred to the Archangel. Well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, okay. yep. uh, that's right. So uh, because I think it's in Jude, he's called an Archangel, mm. right? Uh, and also, he turns up in Michael in uh, Daniel, I should say, where mm-hmm. he's referred to as uh, the Great Prince that watches over your people. And uh, and here, obviously, he's. He seems to be a key character in the battle between good and evil. All right, so that would be the the first position that he's some sort of senior angel, like let's either equal to or above Gabriel, you know, which is the only other named good angel that we have in scripture. Uh, the al- alternative system, um, and that that's the easiest, I guess, one that that uh, to to think about. the The other side of it is there's a little bit of evidence that uh, that this is talking about more than just a normal angel. Uh, first of all, uh, the name Michael means uh, well, it means who is like God as a question, or it can be who, he who is as God, or or whatever. So it's a reference to a reflection of God's self. Also, the word archangel. When we think about archangel, we often think about well, we think about an archangel. We often think about a big angel, but in actual fact, the word arche in Greek means uh, beginning ruler or or authority. For example, in the uh, in the Greek Old Testament. When it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, the, te- the Greek text, uh, Greek translation says, NRK, right? In the beginning. Uh, so the beginning, the ruler or the authority over the angels uh, is another way to understand the word um, archangel. So not necessarily an angel, but the king over the angels, the great prince that, ru- that watches over your people. And then suddenly that starts stan- san- sounding a lot more like Jesus. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. So that's because of and, and by the way that was John Wesley's position the uh, mm-hmm. the founder of the Methodist church but the majority of Christians believe that this is a senior angel i i fall on the side of um, of believing that this is the pre-incarnate god the son uh, this is a this is his form jesus yeah, yeah exactly yeah. before he came to earth as a man that mm-hmm. uh, that you know he, god the son uh, as in his um role as the lord of hosts which is the form he turns up in when he talk, goes and uh, appears to joshua Dressed for battle, 
Um, I think that this is Michael. But, you know, you know, if it's not the case, that's fine. We can agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. We need to uh, finish up with our last couple of verses, and uh, you've got a story to tell as well. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we, we got to the fact that, uh, you know, Satan really ultimately is defeated. And that's the wonderful thing that we can understand by looking into the spiritual realm, that at the cross, Satan was defeated. Uh, Christians, when we look around the world, we see the, the battle between good and evil. We see the suffering going on. But Jesus said to us, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And we know uh, through the eyes of, uh, of inspiration and revelation that it's just a matter of time uh, till all things are made right at last. You know, we're looking forward to the time when Jesus is going to do that. So in Revelation chapter 12, 17, it, it gives us our responsibility down here, here as, we may, as we are in this war zone between good and evil. Yeah, 17, um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17 in the New International Version. Then the angel was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Absolutely. So this is, this is us, right? If we, if we want to um, have this wonderful future that God promises without any pain or suffering or death or when God finally brings to an end all of this, that it's our responsibility to, first of all, uh, maintain faithfulness to God's word, and second of all, uh, to have our, um, well, in, well, in the order of the text, not in the order of importance, and second of all, have a real experience with Jesus, okay? And that's obviously, that, that one comes first in, term, in order of priority. Real experience with Jesus and obedience to his word. You know, this is how we make our way through the world, uh, through the world down here, and bearing this hope, you know, to others, that guess what? This suffering that we're going through down here is just transitory. It's just a matter of time until uh, it all comes to an end and, and we can have eternal peace and, and bliss. And that really, that gives me a reason to get up in the morning, mm. particularly when I'm going through grief and suffering. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Um, did you want to finish off with this story? Have we got time? Yeah, no, look, absolutely. I've I, I got to say that when we are going through, particularly grief, particularly when we lose somebody that, that we love, there's always hardship, you know, and there's always questions about God. But we have to remember that God is a God that offers us free will, which means that he is a God that isn't afraid of questions. The very fact that he doesn't strike us with a lightning bolt every time we maybe do something wrong or say something wrong, the very fact that he permits us even to you know, sometimes get quite angry at him uh, means that he is really a God of mercy and understanding and relationship. Okay, so about this time last year I was sort of uh, sitting with my dad as he was no, no, not this time. It's been, sorry, last March, last February, March. I was sitting with my dad as he was passing away. And I've got to say that w when you're going through something like that and you always have in yourself a struggle with who God is, but always uh, through that process as dad was passing, uh, he was always clinging to God. We were always praying together. He was always listening to hymns. And he drew great comfort from the fact that he knew that his, his battle was almost over and um, the next thing that he would know the next thing that he would be conscious of was uh, was jesus face and i take great comfort from that as well and i know that um things get tough down here and it's easy to i guess sit in a studio and, and say these things when, when people are really going through real struggles but the same jesus that offers me comfort the same jesus that offered my dad comfort when he was going through that as he was passing he's the same jesus that offers whoever's listening here today, whatever they're going through, however the enemy's trying to make inroads into their life, he's offering you comfort and power and victory 
yeah, just for the taking, isn't it wonderful? Mm, absolutely. Mm. It's uh, a fantastic chapter that really gives us a good overview summary of um, what's been going on in the world for a long time. Mm. <laughs> um, and if you'd like to study more, if you'd like to get more in-depth into this uh, study, you know, we can only do so much on the program here. But uh, do text us in zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. If you if you're really interested in studying more details about Revelation or any part of the Bible, let us know. We'll put you in touch with somebody who can study with you. Um, join us tomorrow with David Maxwell on uh, his program um, Reflecting Jesus. It's the last in this series called Love Your Enemies. Next time, Daniel, we've got The One, I think is the title. Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus the Messiah, so finding out more about uh, this uh, yeah, this, this winner of this spiritual battle here in Revelation 12. So, uh. Do remember our DVD today, Cosmic Conflict, Facet Number 5. May God be with you today, wherever you are. This is my Father's world. This is my Father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and around me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. His hand the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world. The birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. This is my Father's world He shines in all that's fair In the rustling grass I can hear Him pass He speaks to me everywhere This is my Father's world Oh, let me ne'er forget That though the wrong seems oft so strong God is the ruler, yeah This is my Father's world The battle is not done Jesus who died will be satisfied and in heaven be one This is my Father's world The battle is not done Jesus who died will be satisfied And earth and heaven be one And earth and heaven be one And earth and heaven be one